Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. <laughs> if you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen, and Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. The words simple, realistic, versatile, effective, portable, durable, collapsible, collapsible, and even quiet describe heads up decoy and are deeply ingrained in the design to allow you the ability to hunt like you want to hunt or need to hunt 
There simply isn't another decoy as versatile, effective, exciting, and fun as the heads-up decoy. We are clearly in a class all alone. Heads-up decoy, a decoy you can hunt with every day you go in a field. Out of the truck or deep in the most rugged backcountry, heads-up decoy, join the revolution. Those are the words of owner Garrett Rowe, owner and creator of Heads Up Decoy. And I wanted to start with those words because it's not often you go to a site and when you go to the about section, it's a letter written to the reader from the owner. And when I was reading it, I only read about half of it, but I could feel the passion that tonight's guest, Garrett Rowe, has for his company and his product, Heads Up Decoy. So, Garrett, those are wonderful words. I really enjoyed them. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to be on here. I'm excited for to sure, have man. you Thanks on. Thanks for coming on. I'm very excited to have you on. I was out polling trail camps today with uh, my hunting partner up here. And uh, my little boy, we took him out, you know, three months old. Luckily, I have a pretty good little buggy. I push him around in and then carry him in places we can't push him. But he, he makes it around pretty good. And one thing I was thinking about is when I'm out there and you're hunting on a field, right, it can be kind of boring. And I can't tell you how many times I've taken my wife out or myself when I go out. Sometimes I, I'll just get bored in my stand and I can't fight it and I'll just start wandering around. You know, I go, I go looking for stuff, you know, it's, I've, I've been there for maybe six hours. It's midday. I've had enough. I want to get out of my stand and look. And then, um, we heard from Ben about heads of decoy. And I thought, you know, I've never really, considered decoying and then I thought well that would give me the perfect reason not only to get out of my stand excuse me and be moving a little more but to actually be able to hunt something that, that would be even better than just getting out of my stand and you know blowing my position and looking around at nature that would be perfect for me yeah um you know, it started with the elk, but the whitetail has kind of taken on, for me, a life of its own because it's, um, I don't sit in a tree anymore. Um, and every once in a while, I'll, I'll have a ground blind, uh, natural ground blind set up um, and clamp the decoy to the tree or something like that. But usually that's when kind of conditions are pretty extreme when it's really windy and, and um, you know the the animals are going to hunker down somewhere and I just try to find a place where I think they're going to go and then that's where I set up and but yeah it's fun to you know to interact with them I it's kind of like turkey hunting I guess but for whitetails you know you're uh, you know you're going through a property or whatever and you're kind of coming up with a game plan where you think that they're holding up and uh, you can rattle and call or hopefully spot them or something like that and, and then, you know, draw them to you. So I saw a picture. You had a rather large buck 
in a picture as well as your heads up decoy. I'd I'd love to hear the story behind that. What it's actually like getting out there, you know, mixing it up with the animals. Well, uh, it took a long time actually to kind of have a. In 2010 is really where that's when I first came up with the whitetail buck decoy, and we'd spotted this buck in a Milo field. This is just one. It may not be the one that you're talking about, Will, but. There's multiple, Will. There's multiple big bucks that have fallen. We just became <laughs> Facebook friends. I only saw the one so far. Yeah. Um, in 2010, it's kind of really where it, it kind of started. We were just like, we had this, uh, I got a friend of mine who's a really good bow hunter, and he's got a philosophy that um, F it, it just might work. And so, and it's great to have them in mentality with the decoy. And so we spotted this a buck out in the middle of this really bad, you know, uh, drought-stricken Milo stubble field. And we were able to get to about 80 yards of him. And we figured that that was as close as we should probably push it because we thought he had a doe. And we grunted at him. He raised up. He saw the decoy. And I shot him coming, posturing inside at 20 yards. And ever since then, Will, it's just been, okay, that's our whole main goal is to find that situation um, every season. And I'm fortunate that I, um, <clears throat> I'm able to cruise around or look or be able to high point places and find those bucks pushing a doe out by themselves and then ultimately putting a sneak on them and getting close and challenging that buck um, for his doe and and usually that's and that that's really how that's the ideal situation um the buck that i have for my profile picture was kind of a little bit different um a different hunt we spotted him again from a distance i assumed he had a doe with him and he was in a really good stockable position um but you know when you when you get in and you can get into bow range on him, you're not always guaranteed a shot even when you're in bow range and because they could get up and they could see and they could run off and just walk straight away from you or or something could happen the wind could swirl and so i crawled up on this old knoll on this particular buck and i grunted and snort wheeze and i stared at him for within 20 yards. I think he was about 20 yards uh, down and I couldn't shoot for about a, a little over a minute and a half. And then at that point, he, he didn't have a doe with him. So he, he bounced off to the other uh, side of the draw. And I had, I was running at him as he was bouncing uh, to the other side of the draw. And then he, he made the mistake and he stopped and everything was kind of in rhythm. And, um, and I, I made a good shot on him. So that was one of those cases where the decoy can created some confusion out in the middle of, you know, short grass. And I was able to get a shot at a, a huge whitetail buck and kill him. And where otherwise I probably would not have had a prayer. So, so, you know, with that, I mean, obviously whitetail seems to be something that's newer, right? With, with decoying, uh, the, the, the bread and butter has always been getting a tree stand, you know, then some people, you know, ground blind it. But for the most part, tree stand, 
And and I'm like Will. I mean, just the appeal because those whitetail bucks are so smart to be able to fool them at ground level. There's something to that. But um, I guess is that is that was that your main uh, was that your main end result that you thought was going to come with the decoys was, you know, uh, challenging these animals or was it just like you said, sometimes it's confusion. Sometimes it's just enough to where it's, it, it messes with the situation where they're not sure what to think and it creates an opportunity or is it just that any and all and, and see what were the, the, the shift, the, the, the swing of, uh, possible success swings back to the hunter because you've just created a variable that, they're not sure how to take it. I mean, what, what was your approach going into making the decoys? Well, you know, just like you said, you know, everybody hunts from a tree stand. And so um, that was really the, the initial part of this was to have a decoy that you carry with you quietly, um, put out in front of your stand, um, and then maybe use it to go in like – mid-November lockdown phase, whatever you want to call it, um, kind of rove, clamp to a tree, rattle, do rattling sequences, things like that. That was the initial thought, um, and and those all work. Um, but it kind of goes back to that, uh, you know, that initial statement I said, you know, F it, it just might work. And that's when we just decided, let's try it. We had no other... Op, there was no other way to, to get this deer. He was in the middle of a crop field. There wasn't a tree within a quarter of a mile. Um, and so we thought, well, let's just try it because we don't have anything to lose. And then I end up shooting him inside a 20. <clears throat> could have been closer. And, and so then once we figured out we could do that, then that's, you know, then we were like, we had, had no fear, really. And so that was just one way to use the decoy. And, and so, uh, so then another part is just kind of, if you know where they like to bed or if you know where they like to push those, you can get downwind, clamp the decoy and do some type of a calling and rattling sequence and, and get a, a bedded buck with a doe to raise out of its bed and to challenge you. And that's essentially, um, really kind of what we thought this, where this decoy was going to go. So. So it was created to be a little more passive, and then decide you decided, hey, I think this could be a little more active. Yes, exactly. It was we conform. It was kind of something to to throw out there and 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 show some type of portability. Uh, you know, solve that issue and the quiet part. Um, and then once we really started, see, you know, where I live, bucks push those and they spend most of their time you know away from trees and so we had to have some type and when there's not a lot of cover there had to be an equalizer there and we found it really with the decoy honestly Uh, it's just it's been it's been really good so before we shift i I mean i've got a ton of questions right obviously go ahead mule deer elk pronghorn but we're we're on the whitetail subject so i want to I want to make sure I, I ask a couple more questions there before we move. And I know Will may have a few more as well, but I myself am, I would call my, consider myself um, a longtime hunter, but a very green whitetail hunter, right? I've, I've whitetail hunted Nebraska, 
four or five times now, been successful three or four times. I, I've, I've really enjoyed what I've got to experience, but <clears throat> learning the rattling, you know, sequences and, and uh, t- duration and calling, uh, different things like that. I, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm raising my hand. I'm green on, on whitetail. I'm, I'm a, like a sponge. I'm trying to absorb stuff because it really interests me. But like you said a little bit ago, clipping it to a tree branch and maybe hitting a rattling sequence, in that kind of situation, where do you set up the decoy as far as where you're like, let's just say you're in a tree stand. What what would you suggest for what you would do? Maybe not, um, I don't know, I, I guess let's just start with that. In that situation, how, how would you set up that decoy? Okay, so um, I've just decided I've come to the realization that, um, or I should say realization, but I've out of the process of um, uh, error and and failures and things like that, I decided that I like the decoy close to me. Okay. Um, so I don't like to put it away, um, and if I do, I try to put it where I don't, like, if the deer, if I think the deer are this way, I'll put it behind me. I never put it out in front of me, because if they, if I put the decoy 20 yards out, and the buck comes to 20 yards of the decoy, I'm 40 yards away. Sure. So, I like the decoy close, um, because then my calling and my rattling, you know, they coincide with the location of the, of the decoy. Um, so, I don't like to... Um, I've just, even from a tree stand, uh, I have people that use the decoy with uh, very good effectiveness in a tree stand. They clamp it right to the, right, almost on the ladder itself. Really? Um, Yeah. Um, But something really close. Um, But as far as like, uh, you know, like a a setup, I typically am close to the decoy. So so then let me ask you this then, because obviously that decoy is there to create some reassurance, obviously, with, with the buck that could be moving in or potentially a doe that's kind of maybe, a, you know, peaking interest or whatever the situation may be. But, you know, you've got a decoy that's essentially from the neck to the head, right? That, that's, right. What the, that's what your decoy is. So, and I know that, you know, some of the other decoys on the market are full body decoys that I've used in the past can be a huge pain in the butt because they're almost once they get too big and then you get the wind and you get it, it's not realistic. So are you, Correct. you know, I know, you, I know you said some people clamp it to a, to a ladder, but are you trying to get it set up like in a bush maybe to where it would, yeah. it would create or, uh, um, an illusion that that, that buck is behind or somewhere with the body line is not there. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, that's a good point because I used to really try to, manicure how i set it up and now i just find the first available i don't care if it's uh if there's a lot of vegetation around it or if there if there's a a nice big plum thicket bush there Um, i take the first available that i can Um, sometimes it's a it's a it's a deadfall with a nice big long sturdy branch and i just clamp it right to it Um, because the thing is these all say big they're going to sit from 60 or 70 yards away, typically. I mean, you do, um, right? So, and maybe farther, maybe farther. And so when they're way out there, they've already said, oh, that's that's the buck in territory. I'm going to go over there and up on it. So they've already said, whether it's full body or, or how it's positioned or whatever, they've already decided that that's one of them. And then they've, 
they're coming in. And that's, that's just kind of how I found it to work. Um, they're not coming in and then all of a sudden going like, oh, you know, sitting out here levitating in air, um, you know, and, and so they've already convinced themselves, you've already created this scenario or the puppet show or whatever you might want to say, uh, how you want to describe it. You've already um, created the scene. You've convinced them. They're coming in. Sometimes the only thing that stops them is an arrow. I like that. I like that end result, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's that. That's the optimal one for sure. Yeah. So then, setting it up quick as possible in a bush. I mean, let's just say you've got a morning sit, and you're you're about to crawl up into a tree before sun up. You, you know, are you clamping it out somewhere right out the gate and and climbing up, or are you waiting yeah. till? Okay. Yeah, I'll just clamp it up. I'll I'll determine like uh, where I want it. Uh, like first of all, I find a place I want to be. Um, or if it's a tree stand, I would already have figured out way before I set it out where I was going to put that decoy. Okay. And usually it's, and, and it should be pretty close to where you're at. Um, you don't want to set it far away because then if something does come in it, you don't want to, you know, you don't want a, a bomb for a shot, you know? Sure. So, so then, I mean, we've, we've kind of, kind of talked about much anymore because I tell since you've started decoying but have you found your best success like you said once they're in that lockdown phase or when it's a little bit more pre-rut or when when is your favorite time to hunt with the decoy I would say that lockdown phase okay. you know everybody's cussing about the lockdown didn't see anything today yeah, yeah. they're locked down and that's when will that is when not being in the tree stand that's when it pays off because that's when these bucks are going to be with the doe bedded down. And if you got a little breeze or something to help you with cover your movement, you can go in and create a scenario that is threatening to these animals. You know, you can get 60, 80 yards away um, if, from a buck and doe pair and you can call them in. If they just rise up um, and they first thing they see is that big, the big white antlers, they're already going like, whoa, I'm coming over there. I got to, you know, and it's, it's done. The guard is already down. I think when you get an animal like a white-tailed buck that comes into the decoy posturing in, I honestly do not think that they're looking at you. Because I've drawn multiple times on multiple deer inside of 20. Sometimes with the decoy in my bow and sometimes with another guy holding it two guys in the middle of nowhere and holding it one guy holding the decoy and the shooter behind and i've drawn you know twice um uh, and they don't even flinch it's just it's really crazy so you bring up a point there too will before i, I know you're gonna I ask a question i'm asking all the questions i got, for today, I got some I'm, questions I'm, phil okay <laughs> i'm gonna let you roll after this but i got one more question on this topic and it's gonna it kind of bleeds over to all animals, but I am I'm not one that's afraid to take a frontal shot. You know, I've taken it in the past and I've had a hundred percent success with the times I've decided to take it. Mm -hmm. It seems like decoying really lends itself to a shot opportunity potentially, even more so maybe in an elk situation than any other that I would just assume, right? And you can maybe tell it's different, but taking that frontal shot because of 
of an elk, like I said, whether you're calling or bugling, and then it sees something and it's coming in towards the, the where they're hearing that call. Um, what's your thoughts on that situation with that? You know, is that uh, is that what you're that it's like you said it maybe happened that more of the shots are frontal? Have you have you know there's more frontal shots that way or? What? Um, when they're posturing in, like let's say for a whitetail, yeah, you're, you're gonna need, need this. It's a two shot. Yeah. <clears throat> Almost, you know, and sometimes they really cooperate, and I have not had one like this yet. Um, I shouldn't say that. I've had some really dink bucks come in with, you know, they're just doing this, you know, yeah. broadside, you know, posturing in. Because if you've watched videos of, um, you know, like 3D uh, decoys and people come in, you know, like they'll, they'll be coming in sideways. Um, I usually shoot them. Once they get inside of 20 yards, um, I usually burn a hole right through to the opposite, behind the opposite shoulder, and I drill them right, right in through here, and yep. it usually comes out right there. Yep. Now, um, elk would be a totally different, um, probably, conversation, but once we get on the elk top, we, we kind of go. Yeah, you're ordering two shots, and I've got a frontal side of 20 on a buck that I drew on twice. I wasn't going to shoot him. And then he turned and he started posturing in and he got inside a 10 and I just, I shot him right here. So. That, yeah. I, with, and, and, and I, I need to just kind of tie in that whole frontal shot. Like I said, I'm not advocating that you shoot any animal in any situation on a frontal shot. No, obviously identifying a situational case by case basis, distance, animal, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, what they're doing, you know, what their behavior is. I shot a bull one time that didn't know I was there, and this was the farthest I've taken a frontal shot on an elk, but he was literally walking in a field towards me, and he was walking with his head just kind of moping around, and he just kind of slowed down and stopped to look around and picked his head up, didn't know I was there, you know, and he was closer to 40 yards than 30. I, I tell you what, that was the that was the biggest blood trail. I think I'm one of the biggest blood trails I've seen that I've that on my animals that I've taken, but because he didn't know I was there, he was standing still. He was in a position where he gave me all of what he was going to give me on that frontal. And like I said, he didn't know I was there. So as soon as he heard that arrow coming at him, it was too late. It, 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 I mean, it buried Fletch deep and, and it was over, but in a situation where an animal is aware, a situation where an animal's, you know, uh, posturing, yeah, I, I think that it, you're right. It may be more in that 10 to 20 yard range. It's probably the the proper situation if you consider to take that. But I just, I've taken it multiple times, and I've been, like I said, I've had 100% success on that shot. I think it's because I've, I've, I've thought about some of those scenarios ahead of time to tell myself, right. yeah, I won't take it out of that distance. Right? If it's within this distance, I know it's happening. So yeah. I just. Instead of encouraging people to take that shot, just encourage people to think about it and, and know what they're comfortable doing. But right. decoying, I just I, I assume I, I think about it that it's it's uh, it could present itself to more frontals. It, yeah, um, if you are like uh, on the ground and you're next to the decoy, you know you're looking at it according to that possibly. Um, you know they can kind of come in and turn for you, but I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like you. I, I have some, I have confidence where I need to put the arrow uh, on a whitetail for sure, on a 
ordering two shots. So I don't hesitate, you know, to take that. And you might. And and sure. Like I like I told you earlier, these bucks, they're uh they are totally unaware. They're too pissed off to really care about anything. And so you can take your time and, and you know, what that when he stomp when he steps and it opens up, you just stick it right there. Yeah. It's it's and you know we have great equipment you know our broadheads are uh durable you know we got perfectly tuned bows you know that arrow's got a lot of energy and it's you can kind of zip right through them so 100 percent. go ahead will i, I I've, I've been hogging it up man <laughs> that's okay these are great questions phil uh so here's my scenario if i get a decoy right i'm up on the soybean field Without fail, no matter which stand I set in, it always seems like 100 yards away, that's where the deer will come out, and they'll just keep yeah. walking in the opposite direction, right? So I'm up in the stand. I can see them. I've got the decoy in my bag. What is my next move? Well, it depends on how how quiet you can get down out of your tree. We'll say pretty uh, if quiet. you're willing to do that. Okay. Yep. So you can you get out of your tree, and... Uh, and that buck is out there. He's either eating or he's harassing does or he's whatever. He's doing something. Um, and if you don't have the decoy out, then you can put it together. Um, you, you know, you have a couple of options. Uh, well, you have three options. You could hold the decoy up and you could grunt at him, get his attention. And if he turns away, then you can drop it, take it out of sight um, and then wait to see what he does if he comes in. Or you can put it in the bow mount, uh, run at him, snort wheeze, maybe challenge, um, and, and see if he'll come in like that. Or um, you can clamp it to a tree and rattle on to, you know, then your hands are free, then you can rattle and grunt, you know, created all that ruckus um, <clears throat> as rutting activity and, and see if you can draw him across that essentially. Um, so those are your three options. You could flip it, like I said, um, you could put it in the bow mount or you could clamp it. Depends on your, how, you know, how efficient you can get all that set up. All right. I like that. I like having the options, you know, it's so not just I, the I, one piece yeah, of the game. The, one of the things too, is that, um, and this just, I always say this, um, I always reserve with reservation because it's, it is obvious, but it's, it's, I've been in so many situations where uh, we have done things with decoy. We really were surprised we could pull off. The biggest thing is to make sure they see it. Don't necessarily worry too much about how natural you're, you're, uh, you're displaying the decoy. They need to see it. So if you've got it up and they're not seeing it, you've, called you've done those things and he just looks over there and he's his head's like then he doesn't see it and then you do what it takes to for him to see it and we've done i've done some things that um are totally unnatural to get the attention of whatever it is i'm trying to decoy and and i draw it into where i reel it into where it's a little more natural at that point and then try to create a little bit more realism so that's 
That's now kind of basic. Question. Yeah. I so do have another question. Do, this is sure one. This this is the only thing I really thought about, <laughs> and it's the only thing that I have genuine worry for, and that is, what do you do? Is there anything you do to make sure some redneck poaching land doesn't come up and you fool him a little too well, and he takes a shot at you? Uh, I think you got to have a lot of. Uh, I think you got to be aware of your surroundings for sure. Um, you know, you can't control everything, and but you can. If I don't own. Uh, property and I don't have I don't lease property I don't have exclusive rights to where I hunt um, and there are people that you know target practice or do questionable things out here um, and it's it, it is awareness it's just and, and I always talk to the landowner who else you know has permission I know who else is supposed to be out there and and if I think that there's somebody around, I will, I won't get in their way. I'll just kind of move on and uh, go find some other place. But yeah, you, you've got to be careful um, to a degree because, you know, from three or 400 yards out from the road, yeah, you, you know, these, these decoys look real from closer than that. So, you know, the whitetail buck, I designed him big because I, I feel like larger decoys uh, and larger antlers work better. So, and if you can see, See the white antler along the way. So you just you gotta have some self-awareness or um, and and or aware awareness of the of your environment and what what's going on. And if you feel like, hey, you know, there's a chance here that this I could get somebody could drive this road and, and mistake me, then I think you need to probably use, pro, you know, um, proceed with caution. You know. Do you know of anyone who? who goes out and maybe blaze orange or any kind of high-vis camo or anything like that and still has success with this? Or do you, does everyone you know they're going out straight-up camo? Straight camo. Um, unless, you know, we have to wear it for um, reasons like uh, uh, motor season or something like that. And then we during gun season, we just tell people, you know, hey, don't, don't use the decoy during a yeah. gun season. It's... That's probably my whitetail buck. Yeah, you might you, you might know, be onto something I there. I think it'll be something I just put away during gun season, because oh, we okay. own property. <laughs> and one time, my wife was up in a stand on our property next to the train tracks. So there's no reason anyone should be coming up there. It's a steep hill, and somebody had come up there right at dusk got under her stand because it's a six by four that I built on six by six posts and not knowing she was in that stand and shot out into the field. So she lets oh, out a scream, right? And this guy goes running back off down in the woods into the train tracks. So that's the only trepidation I would have. But you know what? I think what I would do is just even the day before it opens, that would be the day I put the decoy away, just just for yeah, safety that's purposes. A good, that might be the way to rock it, just bow season only kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of knuckleheads out there, for sure. I mean, you know, you, and it's hard to account for all of them. <laughs> oh, it is, it is, it is, and I really, I think, I think that's the answer though. Is it's both bow season only toy? Yeah, that's what we that's what we tell people. So. Any more white tail? 
But yeah, you, Phil, we can we go on and get out of that boring elk stuff you like to talk about so much. Come on, man. I, I got to tell you, uh, Phil, when I was listening to Ben and you guys talk, um, you know, um, the thing about the decoy, and we really haven't, I would say the whitetail decoy is when you get a whitetail buck and a doe together, it's, it's as close to a slam dunk as you can get. Um, where it doesn't work well or where you really have to work at getting in on a, on a deer is when you got a, a, a mature buck, a hot doe, and three or four little pesky satellites. The buck's not going to leave that doe. Right. He blows the distance a little bit. But he's got a little bit. He's got a string attached to her that he's only going to go so far, and that's when you can you can move in on him, um, and and get shots like that. But it is you know during the rut when they're really rutting either you know with a doe, headed uh, with a doe, uh, or cruising looking for a hot doe, they'll see this buck decoy. And they'll either they'll either want to beat it up, say, hey, don't she's mine, or they're gonna think, hey, that he's probably got a doe. I'm gonna go over and check him out. So, and then and they just whitetails around here are just very aggressive. So they want doesn't matter if they're small, or really big. They're they're typically aggressive. So they're gonna come in and investigate. So the wild buck decoy is, um, I have a lot of success with it. I want to shift gears a little bit then, not not going away from deer altogether yet. I want to talk about mule deer a little bit first. And um, I just have a question as to, I know it's a diff- different type of animal. You, you know, even like you said, whitetail typically are more aggressive than mule deer. Um, have you or any, any of your, you know, uh, R&D guys or anybody that you have on staff or just guys that you know, hunters, friends, guys that have bought the product, had much success with with mule deer um okay the elk was the first one that i designed the mule deer doe when i got the elk decoy i'm leading up to a story here when i when i quote unquote got the design to function like i wanted i knew that if i came up with a mule deer doe it was going to be ridiculous uh and then i threw the antelope in because when people think they think you know decoys sure um the doe decoy is uh one of my best decoys and i where i live our mule deer numbers are down so it's predominantly whitetails and then every once in a while i'm lucky enough to to get in on some mule deer but not often so the mule deer doe decoy um I, my elk, my mule deer doe, my white-tailed buck, my turkey, they're pretty hard to beat. And um, the mule deer doe, uh, I love the way she looks. She's got – her ears are beautiful. I mean, perfect. She's got shape to her. So when these uh, mule deer see her from a distance, you know, it has that profile and shape and natural contour. They know it's a doe, and sometimes you can decoy them in when there's specks in the distance. And, and really works well on cruising mule deer bucks. When they're looking for a doe um, and their head's down and they're really you know covering a lot of ground and that doe goes up, it's you can just get them on a string. And and the thing that kind of – can you say pissed off on this show? I'm sure you can. Oh, the yeah. thing that kind of – I shouldn't say pissed off, but 
um, I went to a show in Topeka, Kansas, and we had a guy come up to my booth, and he goes, and he was like, he lit a heads up decoy, and he stops and he kind of starts digging in, in his uh, portfolio, um, briefcase, whatever, and he starts flipping through all these pictures of these mule deer that him and his son have killed with my doe decoy out in western Kansas. And people, we don't hear a lot because people are kind of protective about uh, where they hunt and what they shoot. And it's, but it's nice for us to sit there and, and talk about how well the decoy works. They've, they've walked up onto animals. They've decoyed them in from 500 yards. They've shot monster uh, mule deer, you know, 200 plus. Uh, the guy was telling me that he had they crawled in on an old farmstead and on a herd of mule deer and he had the doe in the, in the bow mount and the small buck got up and he went to full draw thinking the big one was going to step out. And the little buck came and bumped the decoy when he was at full draw. And so those types of stories don't surprise me as much that much anymore because I've heard a lot of different things about it, but I was the doe decoy, the mule deer doe decoy is really good. It's really good. So is it more – so here's my, my question, right? I may or may not be leaving on a mule deer hunt in two days. And okay. I, I may or may not be hunting high country mule deer, and I okay. may or may not be hunting where there is zero cover, right? Okay. <clears throat> While scouting said mule deer above tree line, I did notice that there was some elk that um, also uh, – sorry, guys. It's okay. Got my, my phone in my truck ringing in. Um, so there, there was some, some elk that, uh, <laughs> you really mastered that phone, Phil. Hey, right. I'm, I'm trying to get the shit off. It won't shut off. But anyway, I did notice that some cow elk were feeding up in this ridge line, and, and the deer, they gave two shits. They had no cares yeah. that those right. elk were there. So then my thought is, obviously it's too early for rut activity for bucks. They haven't even rubbed their horns off yet, right? They, yeah, they'll right, velvet yeah, off. Right. So in a situation, I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm like, I may just take my cow elk decoy with me because if that situation arises where I might be 100, 125 yards and I'd like to try to close 20 to 40 yards further to see what happens, maybe I pop up that cow decoy and just at least use a distraction, you know? You bet. Ah. So that's why I didn't know. I wanted to get your take as far as you think mule deer – doe or cow elk or you think it's probably going to be maybe possibly similar result at that point with that situation that's a good question um i would say let's base it on an economical standpoint what's what what would you get more use out of <clears throat> the elk decoy buy the elk decoy yeah and I get the elk decoy and then use it just like you said as a means to help maybe you need to get from uh Maybe you need to get from this tree line to that boulder. Uh, maybe it helps you get from there for across, you know, a little bit of uh, sketchy terrain, sure. uh, open terrain. And they don't, they look at you, you know, you've already presented the decoy. Oh, there's cow elk. And then that's it. They've already, they've already determined in their head as a cow elk, no matter how goofy you might look when you go across that little clearing. I'm going to try it. Uh, I, I tell you what, I've been thinking about it, and it's like I've got my cow elk decoy, my, my heads-up decoy, and I've got the bow mount and everything, and 
I just was thinking about different situations because obviously, you know, the, the, again, and we'll get into the elk, but the probably one of the more common ones you probably think about is bugling to an elk, cow calling or bugling. They hang up that 80, 100, 120 yards out because they don't see anything, you know, presenting that decoy maybe allows them to close the distance a little bit more. Um, but I'm just thinking again, in, even when we were talking about whitetail, it's like that distraction factor because funny story, uh, quite a few years ago, actually now my brother, he's like six, one, two forty, right? Big, big, tall drink of water. Um, he walked in on this antelope. He's antelope was better. We seen him day after day after day in the middle of this field. And we're like, there's no way to get in on him. Well, after I had shown that i'd blown numerous stocks you know he's like i'm gonna try it so me and my buddy are just in the truck watching laughing no decoy he starts crawling in and a little bit of contours in the hill bucks facing the other way well there was a herd of horses in this this field there was probably five or six horses in this field well the horses saw my brother crawling in and they came running over being curious well that, that buck picked his head up and looked back saw the horses turn back around and lay down so those horses created that distraction, allowed him to keep stalking in, and he, although he almost got trampled a couple times by the horses, he was able to get in within 50 yards and shoot that antelope. So that's where I'm thinking about, it's like, you know what, it's, it's not the right situation that I can think of. I've not decoyed a lot. This is just something newer to me yeah. as well. But I'm thinking it's not the right time for rut activity for mule deer, obviously. It's not. It's going to be one of those situations where you wait from the bed, pick a spot out, and you try to stalk in. I've done that before. Right, I'm, I'm that, but hunting above tree line where they're, the the cover seems to be very much more limited. Yeah. That distraction factor is is what's been kind of looming in my mind. Right. Um, I think it could. I, I I'm confident it could work like that. Um, you know, not maybe not every time, sure. but I do believe that if the situation presents itself. Maybe, maybe like maybe they saw you scratch your face or something, and they're like pegging you. They got they're not gonna take your eye their eyes off of you. The decoy sometimes can be a calming. You know, you flash them the decoy. And, oh, I just saw a cow elk, whatever. You know, and then they just go back to chewing their cud or or grazing or whatever. Um, that is, that's another way to use the decoy. Um, obviously for them to finish inside of, you know, 20 yards is the optimal way for, but these decoys are much more than that. You can use them as a distraction. You can use them as a way to get you from point A to point B. Uh, and they work a lot like that as well like that. And so it's not just, okay, I can only use this thing during rut and, the situation that you have described is one I think our mule deer doe decoy is probably underutilized because how many times have you um, stocked in a mule deer uh, September for September and not gotten a shot? Uh, they they stood up and yep. maybe they never gave you an angle um, or maybe. Uh, something happened where they just kind of became alert. Sure. Um, then you have a decoy that can help you hold that that buck for you to draw and get a shot, or to ease his, uh, or to calm him down. Yeah, it's it's just you know, like you said. I mean, the situations I've gotten busted more 
from wind than anything in that yeah. situation because yeah. where they bed, they, they're not stupid. The bigger ones get big for a reason, right? We all know right. that. So if you can open up your playbook a little bit by, you know, maybe coming in from an angle that you wouldn't ever think you're, you're able to because they may see you, but you know the wind's not going to bust you, that distraction may be just enough. It may be. You got sometimes, <laughs> like, uh, we always say, like, when they're really alert, you've got three to four seconds to get your shot off. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, sometimes you get that three to four, and, and – the decoy hopefully gives you that, gets you that three or four seconds to draw anchor and touch one off. And even even in a, a potential situation, like you said, where maybe the bucket's up and doesn't smell you, but see something doesn't like it, and it might just walk off, as opposed mm-hmm. to blowing out of the canyon and you never see it again. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, no, that's 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 good good food for thought and and. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. So I'm going to give you some feedback here. Hopefully that would be good. Yeah. Cause I think it, I think it would help you. I think especially when you've got a mix there. I mean, we've been tempted to take mule deer doe decoys on our elk hunts. Yeah. So if you, if they're accustomed to seeing elk, I don't know why you, you may even be able to walk right up on one and shoot it. You know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give it a shot, but that, uh, that's good to know. So let, I mean, being that we're kind of talking elk now, Again, the, the the situation that comes to mind is just that elk that hangs up, you know, across the meadow or whatever the case is and doesn't see anything and never close the distance. Um, and obviously it's a cow elk decoy that you have. Um, so it, it's it's more of that visual confirmation to I hear elk. Okay, yeah, now I see elk. Hopefully it's what we're thinking that elk, that bull will, will see, right? Right. But I don't know. I mean, is there... Are you are you seeing more interest in, in in an elk decoy than a than a whitetail decoy? I mean, what's your kind of ratio, or is it pretty much even? It just depends on what part of the, the country. Uh, well, our elk decoy is our most popular decoy because it weighs less than a pound. It can pack, and you can stay mobile with it. I know earlier when we talked about this and the thing, you know, it's it's a mobile decoy. Yep. And and so, ninety percent of our elk hunts are scrambles to get set up, and so uh, our elk decoy is. Um, I the only time that my decoys are together um, are every once in a while. They're ninety percent already put together. I mean, every time I there I put them together when I'm and I leave them like that, and I strap them to my pack. And so the elk decoy is ready on demand for, you know, for whatever situation that, you know, you kind of encounter. Sometimes when you um, are trying to do a locating bugle and you get one that sounds off really close and you don't really have a whole lot of time to think about your setup, the decoy is ready if you need to use it. And so, um, you know, it's a it's a cool to have and, and I think you know obviously because it's so lightweight and, it, and you can provide some movement for that elk to see it it's just people kind of get it you know and I hunt dark timber and so you can't sometimes you can't shoot very far you can't see far and so to me you know that's where that's where the whole concept of, of 
the you know heads up decoy came about was like this is not a primo's video and so it's like we don't need it we just need a little something because we can't see they can't see but if we get in a situation where we're calling and one's responding all we need is just a little bit of something to to, to make him locate movement and then have enough realism that oh there she is and then for shoot him so essentially the how heads up decoy really kind of got started yeah man i'm i'm pumped um in in the talk about the different strategies and the potential you know situations it's just that, that's what fuels us you know that's just what keeps us coming back right it's it's talking with somebody else about potentially uh, what could be your next scenario? You know, you you never know, and um, I'm loving it, man. But I, sitting I, here, I've got so much more <laughs> excited about hunting. Just having this conversation, like I was out with my my hunting partner today, Greg, pulling those cameras, and I was pretty excited. We've seen on the cameras turkey, deer, coyote, and a bear, cool. all up in that soybean field. And it's like he's like, I've watched hunting TV every day for the past like since we put the cameras out and it's just like this conversation talking to gary it's got me so so stoked to just try something new to make it just a little more adventurous a little more uh active a little less passive you know i'm it is extremely and so you're right will i mean one of the things that we tell people is sometimes you can't be aggressive enough and and that's the fun part because bow hunting for 40 years, especially whitetails, you know, we've been, you know, it, the way I hunt whitetails is I want to be seen. And that's the same way it is with elk. I want them to see me. I use the decoy as a primary means, you know, there's a rhythm and a flow to every setup fill. And there are days when there's just a, that no matter what happens, that elk's coming, yep. whether he, he sees a decoy or not. And then there's those times when, there, that rhythm is, is that he stops and he, you, he's processing the situation. And if you let him process it too long yeah. before you do something, then he's gonna think. Then you show him, and then you're not gonna get very good results. So, you know, everything needs to happen in, in rhythm. On a, I think on an elk hunting scenario is like when they're calling and they're responding and they're coming in. And if you can see them and they stop and they're looking, then that's when I'm doing whatever I can to get them to see the decoy. And once they see it, I kind of reel in and 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 you. It's worked well for me, you know. I, I've I've had the elk decoy work really well for me, and so and that's exactly how I use it. I use it as a. It's always out whether you know I needed it or not. <laughs> it, it, no, that's this it, game man. is. I, oh, sorry, Phil. It's no this, man. Go ahead. This game is about every yard counts, every split second counts, and the decoy seems like that one thing that could buy you that little bit of extra time to get that shot off. That's right. It can. It can either seal the deal for you, or and and times it'll it can sabotage you for sure. But um, there are times when, I mean, I've seen I've seen my decoy do things that you would have otherwise just not even considered you had an opportunity. And now, like, if we see one, we have a chance. You know, if you hear an elk bugle, you got a chance, yep. you know? And, and so 
we're taking so we, so we take a piece of ground that maybe is where I'll section of ground and with our heads up decoy I can now hunt every inch of it whether the grass is this tall or it's on the creek bottom yeah well that's all the time we have for tonight we want to send a huge thank you to uh, Garrett with heads up decoy so check them out well you know put them in your arsenal as, as we're going to be doing the same this year so good luck with your season for the natural born hunter podcast wake up chase your dreams repeat